I'm glad to be here this morning. Uh, I've been looking forward with anticipation to finishing up uh, this uh, parable of the tenants. And uh, next week we'll move to the parable of the wedding feast. And uh, if you haven't noticed already, uh, the, the closer we get to the death of Jesus, the more loaded his teaching gets. And Tom was just talking about this week. Can you imagine what all he fitted in to the last week of his life? Wow, that's pretty amazing. So that's, that's where we're at. Chapters 21 through 28 is all about the last six days, seven days of his life. If you want to be uh, uh, on top of that, that'd be a good place to study. So we are in the parable of the wicked tenants. And uh, so all week long I worked on uh, this title, Working Our Vineyard. And uh, then yesterday I came to this uh, realization that we don't have a vineyard. It's not our vineyard, it's the Lord's vineyard and we're to work in it. So when I came to that realization, uh, I began to, uh, to think about the sermon that I was preparing and uh, uh, really to take uh, some different looks at it. So it should be exciting this morning to see what uh, God might do. You know, if you'll just stick to God's Word, you probably won't get in much trouble, amen? So chapter 21, we'll review it for the last time. Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. He announces His Lordship drives the buyers and sellers out of the temple, makes the temple a place of prayer and healing. The priests and the scribes take offense at the praise of the children. Jesus curses the fig tree, gives us a lesson on faith and prayer. Jesus' authority is questioned, the parable of the two sons. And for the last few weeks, we've been looking at the parable of the wicked tenants. So, a pretty loaded chapter, a whole lot to look at in this. In the parable of the wicked tenants, we looked at the vineyard being prepared. Uh, It it continues to amaze me that in God's vineyard, there's not one thing lacking that's needed to produce fruit. We also looked that God expects fruit. The vineyard owner expected fruit from the tenants and God expects fruit from us. We also found out that there will be a day of reckoning. Uh, I really like that scripture... uh, in, uh, right in the middle of the, of the scripture in, in Matthew 21, I believe, uh, verse 40. Uh, you might, uh, if you've got your Bibles open, look at that. And he, he asked this question. And the question is this. When, the owner, when, the owner, when therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? Okay? Y'all with me? That's the day of reckoning. One of these days the Lord's going to come back and say to the elders of the churches and to teachers in the churches and to husbands and to, to, to parents, what have you done with what I gave you? Now, there will be a, a day of, a day of uh, reckoning. Uh, I've been uh, thinking about, and if you're in the MacArthur Study Bible, uh, in, the, in the last month, uh, they've had a couple of really good summations of judgment in there. And, and I'm thinking about hopefully in the next few few weeks I can put together a study and, and do it on Sermon Audio or, or do it on our website about judgment and what that judgment is going to particularly look like. Now, surely we all realize that the judgment for believers and the judgment for unbelievers will look different. Amen? There's a, there's a drastic difference in those two judgments. But there is judgment for the believers and for the unbelievers. 
We looked at don't stumble over the cornerstone. And today we'll look at the Lord's vineyard that we're currently operating in. Okay? Uh, we are operating in one of God's vineyard. We are really operating in God's vineyard. And He's expecting us to be good tenants and to work in such a way that spiritual fruit uh, is, is, is received. So, what is God's vineyard? The kingdom of God. We are in the kingdom of God. And you may have to have your Bible open. You may have to look at some scripture this morning. Uh, I'm not sure which one's in there and which one's not. But if Ephesians 2 is not in there, if you'd please turn there. Uh, they're all right there in the New Testament. You've kind of got a little notice of when you uh, might look at the scripture. And if you'll just look at that, that'll kind of help us to see who we are as God's people. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 19. So then, speaking to Christians, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Wow. And with that, just with that, there would be great responsibility. Because who are we representing? We're representing Almighty God Himself. And, and I'll just tell you, everybody's watching. And uh, as, the, as the times get more evil and, and Christians begin to stand out a little bit more, more and, people, more and more people are going to be watching. Verse 20. This is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. So we are citizens of the kingdom of God. We're members of God's household. So when I think about this, I want you to think about these three realms this morning. Uh, we have the home. Our homes uh, are, are part of that kingdom work. Uh, also, the church is surely part of that kingdom work. But also, we have not only homes that we're operating in and churches that we're operating in, but we have a nation that we're living in. And we have some responsibility to be good, good stewards and uh, good witnesses towards the nation that we live in. Now, this parable that we're looking at was spoken in reference to the Jews and what they had done with God's kingdom. They are the tenants that were described. They are the wicked tenants. These are the people that God had left in charge of His Old Testament kingdom work. So this parable lays out uh, the sins that they were involved in, the, the things they did, the things they didn't do. Uh, they didn't do the work. They rejected the prophets over and over again. And finally, they killed the son. Now, in that parable, he uses this statement. They knew he was talking about them. All right, church, could we, could we come on in here this morning? Okay. We, we come here occasionally. Hopefully, we read the Word of God often. Amen. And we know that he's talking about us. So one good thing 
to be a good tenant. We need to be good listeners to the Spirit of God, and we need to know when we are being corrected by the Spirit or by the Word to make a, a right turn to be the tenants that God would have us to be. And, and really, that's what we're talking about this morning. How, how can we be the best tenants for God's kingdom work that we can be? Is that not, should that not be our goal? To be the best workers in His kingdom we could possibly be. No amens? Or are we just trying to do enough to get by? But the question is this morning, does this parable hold anything for us? Can we glean anything from it? As a people, as a country, as a church. The first thing I want to cover this morning is national privileges. Okay? Uh, The nation of Israel was obviously called out, chosen by God, to have a big hand in His kingdom work. Amen? Obvious. Way more obvious than America, or way more obvious than any other country. Okay? So I want you to think about this. Nations have been privileged, and I think to some extent, nations are still privileged today. All right? Now, with being privileged goes greater responsibility. Why? Because when he, when he prepared this vineyard and gave it to the workers, that vineyard and those workers did not lack one thing to get the job done. Well, nations that are privileged do not lack one thing in getting the work of God done. Matter of fact, Christians, whether in the home or church, everything that we need to be good workers in the kingdom of God is available to us. So at the reckoning time, we won't be able to put the problem on anybody. We'll know that he's talking about us. Israel, separated and called out by God. Any doubts about that? Without a doubt. They were given the revelations of God. While they were given the revelations of God, other countries were left in darkness. He made covenants with them. He gave them the law. He he dealt with Israel just like he had dealt with the tenants and just like the master had dealt with the tenants in, in a personal relationship. He dealt with Israel just like the master dealt with this piece of land and the tenants while leaving the rest of the land desolate or whatever the case may be. Unimproved. The vineyard was the nation of Israel. What did God expect of Israel? Well, same thing He expects for us. That they would live for God's glory... and do His work while they're here. That they would serve Him. That they would keep His commandments. He had expectations of them. But they obviously wasted their opportunities. Now, how did they do that? I'm, I'm telling you, 
You talk about privilege. Think about the occupation of the promised land. All right? When they occupied the promised land, what happened to most of the inhabitants that were there when they got there? They were destroyed. Destroyed. But we also know that there were times that they didn't do exactly what he had told them to do with those people, and that came back to haunt them. So they wasted their opportunity because they mingled with other nations. Look at Psalms 106.35. But they mixed with the nations and learned to do as they did. Now, you're going to hear something a little later on in this message I want you to start thinking about, okay? We don't want to be goody two shoes, and we don't need to be too snotty, okay? But listen, in order to be the people of God that he would have us to be, there's going to have to be some separation from the world. Because the world is evil. So they mingled with the people. What does that mean? They took up their idols. They took up their sins. They uh, hardened themselves, matter of fact, with sin. They despised God's temple. They did not keep His commandments. They did not listen to the prophets. They ignored the graces He had given them. And then the last thing that the tenants did was they killed the Son of God. The killing killing of the heir is the Jews' killing of the Son of God. Who is this that did this? That called out, chosen, special nation, Israel. Now, now why, why, why did this happen? The same reason we do what we do today. Because what God wanted them to do was not what they wanted to do. And they wanted to do what they wanted to do. So look at Jeremiah 6, 16. Thus says the Lord, Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths. What kind of paths? Ancient paths. Look, these ancient paths are true. They're proven. They'll work out for our good. There's no question about the ancient paths. We have, we, we have, we have a, a textbook of ancient paths of how God would have us to live. Look, there's no improving upon this. I, yesterday I had a great day. and I, I, You ever go to Walmart and have a great day? I go to Walmart, so I'm going along the back wall. Uh, you know, paper products and cleaning products, and then you get to the shoe, shoe place I'm going along. And so I, I, I see this mama. She grabbed this little five-year-old boy up by the arm, and she swatted him on the rear right there in Walmart. You know what I did? I I walked up to her and I said, that was just exactly what he needed. She said, this one needs something too. And she's about a two or three-year-old girl and she jabbed her up and spanked her on the bottom. So I went back and I, I, you guys, I want you to know I was gracious. I didn't tell the daddy who was there, you ought to have been doing that, but I thunk it. But I told them, that's what's wrong with America. 
our kids do not know that there is any consequences for their bad behavior. I believe the Word of God says, spare the rod and spoil the child. Somebody bring me these statistics that peaceful parenting is working out really well. Come on, y'all bring them to me. Then quit doing it that way. Okay, ancient paths. Look at that next part. Where what way is? The good way. Huh? And walk in it. And look what you'll find. Rest for your souls. Look, if you've done all you can in raising your kids, all you can, you prayed for them, you taught them, you took them to the church, you can rest in that. You can trust them with the Lord. Find rest for your souls. But what did they say? No. I got a better idea. They would not walk in it. All right, so Israel, were they special? Well, in my opinion, uh, Western Europe, England in particular, they got the gospel pretty quickly over there. I think they were privileged. I think because of, uh, of, of Western Europe and England in particular uh, coming our way, I believe America has been privileged. Look, we have the Bible. If you want a translation, we got it. If you want something on the Internet, we got it. I mean, we've got everything we need to be real students of God's Word. Hey, not only that, but we have the liberty to have this. This is, this is not illegal yet. We have the liberty to read it. We, we, have, we have had, because of faithful men like Jonathan Edwards and Charles Spurgeon and uh, Matthew Henry and just Matthew Poole, just go on and on. We, we, had the, we had the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ given to us in an unadulterated form. I mean, we had the gospel message. While there's still people groups that still don't have the gospel message. We have permission to share the gospel. We have the, the privilege of pursuing life, liberty, and happiness, religious freedom. Did y'all know there's a world out there where they don't have those privileges? Many of these privileges that we have, church, are being wasted. As a nation, are we doing all we can with our privileges? Now, this is a serious question considering our passage. Is it not? Because the vineyard represented the nation of Israel, right? And because they were privileged, were there some serious consequences for them? There will be serious consequences for nations that knew the truth and didn't live with the truth and did nothing to advance the truth. We ought to stop and think. 
What are, we, what are we being held accountable for? You are working in God's vineyard. You're doing His kingdom work. And we're accountable for what we do and what we don't do. Considering how God has blessed America, the graces and resources He's given us, should we not be ashamed with all that we have in America and how many people groups there are in the world without Christ? I, I'm, I'm talking about, I see that there's still something like a thousand people groups that's never had the gospel message. That just almost blows my mind. Where, where are they at and what are we doing to reach those groups considering all that we have. Church, many are walking our streets and have no real witness. Seems to be so few real followers of Christ. Churches are closing every day. Uh, I didn't have time to read the article, but uh, uh, there was a, an article this week that talks about the steady decline, are y'all with me, of even those that identify as Christian. It's gone from 70% to uh, 60%, and it's going to be something like even, even people that identify, like 35% of Americans identify as Christians. Okay? So we, we are on a steady decline of even those that identify but remember the Barna survey? Out of that 35% that would identify as Christians, only 6%, by the way they answer questions, are truly Christians. I, I mean, we've got a mission field right here in America. I bet, you on, I, bet, I bet you on both sides of your house and both across the street and behind the neighbor, I bet they're, I bet they're unchurched people. And they're right there in our yards for us to witness to. We, we may not even know their names. We are, we are so eat up with busyness that we don't have time to even work the mission field right around our house. Pastors are quitting in record numbers. Every philosophy, y'all hear me? Every philosophy is embraced. You just run me a new philosophy. I, I looked over here at y'all and did y'all see where the, the teacher down in Texas got fired because she wouldn't call a, a, a pervert that was a sexual predator for young children? She wouldn't call him a pervert. She identified him as a minor attracted person. She got fired. Y'all hear me? We, we, we are living, we are living in the world as somebody runs it out there, right? That maybe you were born different than your biological sex indicates. We just run that stuff out there and people believe it. Yet, the last statistic I saw, 
Only three or four percent of Christians have ever read the Word of God in its entirety. If we, if we don't know this, what would keep us from believing everything that's run out there? We must open our eyes to, to see what's going on. The fruit that the Lord expects in our country? Wow. Just, just look what our society is producing. Death, sexual perversion, mutilation of children, no Bible in the school, no prayer in the school. Look what our society is producing. Is that the kind of fruit that a Christian nation ought to be producing? Are we not provoking him as the Jews were in our passage? When the church is the... Look, listen, church, listen to this. When the, you've got this one in your notes. When the church is the only one who has the answer... Are y'all with me? Church, there's no answer for the ills of mankind, which is sin, other than God and God's holy word. The world does not have the answer for wickedness, for evil. We're the only one that has the answer. So you see how responsible we're going to be? The world's not going to be held responsible for this. They don't have the answer. We're the only ones that's got the answer. It's Christ. It's repent and turn to God. God reckons with nations who abuse their privileges. Y'all hear me? There will be a day of reckoning. And this is the part that scares me. A time came when 2,000 years of long-suffering towards the Jews came to an end. Do what? He finally called the Jews to account, right? All right. Forty years after the death of Jesus, they received a just chastisement for all their sins. Their holy city of Jerusalem was destroyed. Their temple was destroyed. Many were killed. And the rest of them were dispersed throughout the world. God dealt with Israel. The kingdom of God was taken to the Jews and was given to the Gentiles. I want you to see whether as a nation or a people or as a church, there will be a day of reckoning. So what's the problem? Well... The problem does not lie in the nation, but in the people. The problem is not with God's church, but it's with the people of God's church. Listen, a church and a nation is only as strong as those that make up that group of people, spiritually speaking. Now... Aren't we glad that we have a cornerstone, we have a head of the church that's going to protect his church? 
But what does the health of his church look like is dependent upon the spiritual health of the people that occupy it. So I, wanna, I want to turn to some text and just walk through these texts. And you'll have to pray for me and pray for Pedro because this is a little bit of difficult. You have the scripture there. When we kind of get through with one, you can turn to the other. And really, I, I want you to pull it up on your phone. I want you to look at it on your pad. I want you to open it up in your Bible. And I, I just want us to, to walk through uh, four or five scriptures that kind of lets us know uh, what we're dealing with. Uh, we've mentioned this, this kind of term over the, uh, the, the last several uh, years. The days, church, look at me, are evil. The days are evil. We're living in an evil time. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Are we in the last days? Well, we're closer to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ than we were 2,000 years ago. For people will be lovers of self when we should be lovers of God and others. We'll look at that in chapter 22. Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, Wow, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. This will catch us. This, this will catch the rest of them. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So, that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with evil. Matter of fact, uh, I would say we're dealing with demonic things. So, that's the time that we're living in. You've got to realize that people outside the realms of God and people that are not children of God, this is who you're dealing with. Then look at uh, the next verse. Having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. And that's the place that the church doesn't want to be. We don't want to have an appearance of godliness but denying its power. Let me tell you what that power looks like. It looks like changed lives. It looks like who people who are filled with the Spirit of God. It looks like people who are striving towards righteousness and holiness. Now, let me tell you what that really, really looks like, and we ought to think about this. So denying the power of. By the grace of God, we are repentant people. We are sinners. But one of the things that the power of God brings us to is repentance. Verse 6, For among those, there are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins, led astray by various passions. So there's always false teachers out there, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of truth. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Wisdom is one thing, knowledge is another. These people have no knowledge. 
because they have no truth. Just as Janes and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind, disqualified regarding the faith. But they'll not get very far, for their following will be plain to all, as was with these two men. We're all going to be held accountable for our actions. Let's now go to uh, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. 2 Corinthians 14 through 18. We're talking about what's the problem, okay? If, if, uh, if we have national privileges, if we have privileges, and we're not seeing much fruit out of that, so what's the problem? 2 Corinthians 6, 14. And as we're there uh, in, in chapter uh, 6, yeah, we're going to look at it right here. Verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What, according, what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement with, has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Talking about us, people. And God has said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. That's who we are. And because He is among us, we can live the life that He would have us to live. But, but look at verse 17. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I'll be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord. Church, we have got to be careful that we don't mingle with those peoples in such a way that that's who we become. We've got to be set apart and separate. There's got to be a, distinguish, a dis distinction between us and them. So we're talking about what's the problem. Let's go to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. So what's the problem? How come we're not producing the fruit that we need to produce? <clears throat> do, you, do you know what we're dealing with? Do you know what the, do you know what the world's dealing with? They're not dealing with sin. <laughs> That's pretty obvious. There's no concern with sin. They're dealing with, uh, they're dealing with uh, finances. They're dealing with uh, one country being aggressive towards another country. Uh, did we talk about financial matters? Uh, they're dealing with the things, uh, what we would call of the world. All right? But listen to what we're dealing with. Listen, church. We cannot be lukewarm, are y'all with me? When we are in a battle for the souls, are y'all with me? That's what we're battling for. The souls of our children, our grandchildren, our friends, our church, our nation. We, we are dealing with eternity. We are dealing with eternal matters. Everything else that we're dealing with is going to be temporary and it's going to pass away when the Lord comes back. So when we know what we're dealing with, we cannot be lukewarm. 
Look at the scripture, Revelation 3, 15 and 16. I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. One translation says, I would or I wish that you were either cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Church, we are living in wicked and evil times. We can we cannot afford when we're talking about the spiritual responsibilities that we have to be lukewarm. Uh, there's two or three babies in, in here this morning uh, under a year of age, okay? Uh, some others that are not here. I'm, I'm telling you, parents, you're going to blink your eyes and that little boy and that little girl is going to be gone. And, and I'll just tell you this, it's a little more critical than that. There's a window in which you have to impart spiritual things to that child. Come on, church. We can't be distracted, and we cannot be lukewarm in doing that. It doesn't get any more serious than that. We're either raising our children and preparing them for an eternity in heaven, or we're not teaching them, and we're allowing the world to point them towards an eternity in hell. We can't be lukewarm as a church. We can't be lukewarm as parents. We need to know that God gives us children to produce godly offspring. 2 Corinthians 10, 1 through 7. 2 Corinthians 10, 1 through 7. Oh, church, this speaks so much to us today. Young people, listen closely to this. I myself, I, Paul, myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold towards you when I'm away. I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us walking according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of warfare... Y'all hear that? We are in a war with the evil one over souls. For the weapons of warfare are not of flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Now look at this next one, young people, adults. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take captive every thought to obey Christ. Young people, adults, we are being bombarded with all of these uh, philosophies and all of this thinking. Are y'all with me? And the first thing we've got to do with all of that is to stop 
and to look at that philosophy and ask ourselves, but what says the Lord? That's it. Not what does rationale or pragmatism or just common sense. None of that. Every thought, every philosophy that you hear out there, okay? Let's just take the one right at the the top here. That you might be binary or that you might be uh, a male in a, a male body, but you're really a female, or a female in a female's body, and you're really a male. Just, just take that captive. Okay, we ought not even have to. We not. E- we ought not even have to expose it to this thinking. It's just, it's foolishness. But we take every one of those thoughts, young people, and we don't say, "What's the teacher say?" or "What's this one say?" or "What's this rapper say?" What? says the Lord. And I'll just tell you, when it comes to my house or your house, it does not change what says the Lord. Y'all understand what I'm telling you? a state senator in the state of South Carolina. He kept the 15-week abortion deal from going in. You know why he did that? I promised my daughters that I would not take a strong stand on abortion. He promised his who? What says the Lord? And when that child of yours comes and is struggling, we love everybody, but we affirm no sin, and we go to the Word of God and we say, What says the Lord? If if you don't believe me, just go to Ezekiel chapter 3 and read that. And see who's going to be held responsible. Oh, verse, uh, verse 5, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take captive every thought captive to, take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when our obedience is complete. We're in a battle for the truth. And we take captive every thought. Last one, Colossians 2.8. And this just goes along. And I'm, I'm so thankful for Scripture. Aren't you so thankful for the Word of God? Aren't you so thankful that God's given us a little bitty mind and that sometimes we can memorize Scripture? Colossians 2.8. Let me, let me tell you where we're at. Let, let me tell you where we are. Let me tell you where almost every generation in America is today. I'm telling you, Tammy, hold that up. When they put that in our hands, 
And when, when they, and when we pay $1,000 and put it in our kids' hands, we are exposing them to every philosophy that they want to bring to us. Over and over and over. What say the scripture? Colossians 2.8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition. According to the elementary spirits of the world. And not according to... Yeah. You know, and... Mm, I, could, I, could, I could just tell you some stories. But... Uh, mm. Isn't it hard to be separated today from the world? Huh? Is it not hard to be separated from the world today? Because I'm, I'm telling you, you want to know why they're giving free phones away? So their demonic agenda can be promoted. Now look. Everything that you see on that phone is not the truth. What are you to do with everything you see on the phone? What are you to do with it? You take it captive and says what? What says the Lord? Churches without people sold out, separated, and committed to advancing His kingdom will not win the battle in this world. y'all hear me? Let me read that again. Are you with me? People sold out, separated, and committed to advancing His kingdom. Listen, parents, grandparents, if we're not committed to the spiritual upbringing of our children, it will not happen. If we are not committed in this church to preach the Word without any reservations, the all of God's Word, it won't happen. So what can we do? Be the person, the family, the church God wants us to be. Do it God's way. What can the church do? Preach the Word. Encourage people to walk and look for the ancient paths. We're to know the ancient path and walk in it. We're to get in the Word, get in church, get the teaching, teach it to your children, implement the teaching in your life and in your family. That's the only hope we got. Know God, embrace His Word, know His Word, be committed to walk in it. Get involved in the advancing of His kingdom through the local church. That's what we're to be doing as workers in His vineyard. Take seriously the eternality of the soul. That soul of ours and our children are going to spend eternity somewhere. Take on a personal responsibility. Wow, church, come on, y'all look at me. It's, it's not mine and Tom and Pablo's lone responsibility for advancing His kingdom in the local church. It's every one of our responsibility. And, and you, need to, you need to realize, if you're a part of this church, you have a responsibility. Starts in the home. It works in the church. 
We're, we, listen, and, and if you don't know it yet, the, 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 the devil is after God's design. God has a plan. Amen? God created out of nothing. He created man and woman. He instituted the marriage. He set the family in place. Look, we, we, got, we got all kinds of books. Russ showed you all the, the one-year Bibles we got. Look, if you don't like the translation you've got in this, we'll get you another one. We've got God's design. We've got the grand design. And you know what both of these do? They tell you the way God designed it. It's a good place to start, amen? Rediscover God's design for the family, the church, and start the process of implementing. Look, it's one thing to know what this says. It's one thing... Somebody tell me this is not the truth. It's one thing to know what this says and this says. It's another thing to put it in practice in your house and in the church. Well, hey, listen. Nothing's happened and you still, you started implementing it. Let me tell you what, let me tell you what the world's design is. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The demonic design is for everybody to reject the teachings of God, to reject Christ, and to spend eternity in hell. That's the world's promotion. This tells you God's design. And God's design is that it would be good while we're in this life, but also in eternity. Listen, there is, there is no joy in not doing it God's way. Look, when we don't do it God's way, you know what we said? We said, we know those ancient paths. We ain't doing it. There is a judgment to face. We've got Sunday school, answers in Genesis. Wow, you know what answers in Genesis is all about? God's design. His creation. God, look, church, God's vineyard has got to become a priority. So when we see the effort in this parable in setting the vineyard up for success, when we see that there was a time he expected fruit, when we see that there was a continual urging to send fruit, when we see all that rejected, and that the master sends some serious judgment. We need to take seriously the producing of spiritual fruits in his vineyard that he has left us to work in. Amen. May God bless the preaching of his word.